Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Wednesday, February 17th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Sometimes, even a designation on the National Register of Historic Places can't save an old building from the wrecking ball. I would say that it has seen its days and it's um, not really adequate for the university to use. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports on the possible demolition of the Bureau of Mines building at Missouri S&T. Utilities are still urging customers to conserve energy over the next few days, as many systems are still dealing with the aftermath of this week's storm. Ameren, Missouri Vice President of Operations and Technical Services Kevin Anders says customers should try to avoid using large appliances like ovens and dryers. If we can avoid using those today and, and you know, wait until day after tomorrow to, to use those, uh, set your thermostat uh, a few degrees uh, cooler uh, in the daytime and then just set it even a, a few degrees cooler than that when you go to sleep at night. Anders adds local rolling blackouts are still a possibility this week if energy usage spikes. Illinois is in a state of emergency following this week's storm. Governor J.B. Pritzker issued that declaration yesterday. It allows the state to seek federal assistance after some areas received a foot and a half of snow. As Illinois digs out, Pritzker will unveil his framework today for a new state budget. It will include plans to close the state's massive deficit. This comes after Pritzker stated, quote, painful cuts would be needed after voters rejected a plan for a graduated income tax. Hannah Meisel reports. Those campaigning for the constitutional amendment had also warned the alternative would be an across-the-board income tax hike. Pritzker has revised his dire outlook and says the state's budget is in better shape than he thought, albeit still $3 billion in the red. The governor wants to keep spending mostly flat next year and do it all with no tax increase, instead finding nearly a billion dollars in corporate tax loopholes. House Majority Leader Greg Harris says he'd rather see that instead of a tax hike in the middle of a pandemic and recession. For me, if we can close corporate tax loopholes as opposed to going back to average families for more revenue, I'd love to do that. Pressure from business groups could complicate Pritzker's budget plans. I'm Hannah Meisel. A divided St. Louis County Council has voted to effectively eliminate the salary of a former councilwoman hired by County Executive Sam Page. Rochelle Walton-Gray was brought into the administration as vaccine coordinator. The county council has voted to cut the amount of Gray's salary and benefits from the health department budget. Republican Council member Tim Fitch does not agree with some who say the move amounts to cutting money from the health department during a pandemic. This is to express this council's dissatisfaction with the political move that he made. Uh, Obviously, clearly for reasons I think we all know. That's what this is about. A page spokesman says the county executive is planning to veto the bill. There are not enough votes to override that objection. County Executive Page has signed legislation to bolster prevailing wage standards for construction contracts. The measure has been a priority for labor unions. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports. Page signed a bill to permanently put in place a program enforcing prevailing wage regulations for construction projects with county tax incentives. 
Prevailing wage is aimed at making sure workers involved in government incentivized projects aren't underpaid. John Stiffler of the St. Louis Building and Construction Trades Council says prevailing wage laws help ensure skilled workers on county construction efforts aren't being exploited. This ordinance gives St. Louis County the necessary tools to investigate potential violations by requiring contractors to provide certified payroll, allow access to job sites. The city of St. Louis enacted prevailing wage standards last year. I'm Jason Merzenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Churches in the St. Louis region are putting their own twist on Ash Wednesday this year. The Episcopal Diocese of Missouri has asked clergy to avoid skin-to-skin contact and instead use cotton swabs or sprinkle ashes on parishioners' foreheads. The Reverend Sally Weaver, who serves at Emanuel Episcopal Church in Webster Groves, says using cotton swabs will be different but will keep people safe. They will have a little plastic baggie with a purple Q-tip loaded with ashes on it. (laughs) They will take out their Q-tip. They will impose ashes on their own forehead. A pre-recorded liturgy will be available today on the church's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Bureau of Mines Building at Missouri University of Science and Technology is on the National Register of Historic Places. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports despite the designation, the 75-year-old structure might be demolished as the university makes room for a new campus entrance. On the outside, the Bureau of Mines Building is a four-story red-brick Georgian revival that sits on the edge of Missouri S&T's campus on Bishop Avenue, a main street in Rolla. On the inside, it's seen better days. All four floors are nearly identical. There's a single corridor that runs down the center of the building lengthwise, with abandoned offices and small cramped labs on either side. This building was occupied by employees of the Federal Bureau of Mines from 1946 to 1996 when the agency was abolished. I would say that it has seen its days and it's um, not really adequate for the university to use for the purposes we need on campus that's progressive. That's Pat Liddy, an architect who's the project manager for S&T. She says this building has too many deficiencies, like inadequate fire sprinklers, as well as doors, staircases, and an elevator that are not disability compliant and ceilings too low to support the ventilation needs of modern labs. Fred Stone is the Director of Design, Construction, and Space Management at S&T. He says in 2010, the university brought a team of outside architects through every building on campus to assess the space. They weren't impressed by the Bureau of Mines building. Architects are known for just loving great architecture, right? That's what they've, they've been taught. And this specific building, when we took him to this building, them, the team, they said, we don't see anything here that we just fall in love with. S&T's master plan, including a new entry to campus from I-44, has the building and two smaller storage and lab buildings behind it leveled to make room. Those plans indicate a lack of vision and imagination, according to Ryan Reed. He's a Rolla native who currently works in historic preservation in Nebraska. 
He says the university is being short-sighted by looking at the Bureau of Mines building and only seeing its flaws. Reed says buildings are much more than their bricks, steel, and concrete. It's the memories we have attached to them. It's their importance in history. And um, it's also their importance to sustainability. And the sustainability issue is the one that Reed thinks ought to be the most compelling argument to keep and reuse the Bureau of Mines building. Missouri S&T has an extensive sustainability policy and even offers a minor in sustainability. Reed says as the country and the school looks more toward the realities of climate change, projects like this need to take into account environmental impact. Um, I think reusing Bureau of Mines is the ultimate in recycling. You know, because you have this building that exists that's made out of brick and steel and concrete, and these are all materials that had to be extracted out of the earth, manufactured, and that took a lot of energy. Reed says the university could make saving the building and others in the region part of the curriculum to teach students about reusing old buildings and historic structures. But that would cost money. Estimates are that it would cost 25% less to build the same amount of space in new construction than to rehab the Bureau of Mines building. Sometimes that cost is worth it to save a historic building. But Larry Gregg, an emeritus history professor at s and and author of the 150-year history of the school, says that might be a tough case to make. He says over the years, the building wasn't that remarkable. It was really considered an ancillary structure to, to, the, to the campus life. Very important to the, the faculty who did research there, uh, the graduate students that did research there, but it was not fundamental to the life of the campus. Greg says while the building wasn't important, the work that went on inside was, and that's what led to the structure being listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The relationship between the Bureau and the campus was, was a very positive one. It was an opportunity for researchers on the campus to work with federal employees, federal chemists, federal metallurgists. But that relationship, which ended 25 years ago, may not be enough to save the building. Missouri s and is holding a virtual public hearing on the Bureau of Mines tomorrow afternoon to take in public comment. The inclusion of the building on the National Register of Historic Places does not afford it any protection from demolition. In Rala, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt from the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.